After a strong comeback versus Alabama A&M, is FAMU heating up? Also, the two games that didn't make the game of the week are going to get a special shine today. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics. Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every single day you remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusive today's episode is brought to you by bet online they have you covered this season with more odds props and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts also i want to start off today's episode a little bit different before we hop into the topic i want to give my prayers out to all of my people out in florida we're starting off talking about fam you i think it's only right and important that we send prayers and send blessings out to the state not just the city of tallahassee because this is a storm hurricane in that is affecting a large amount of the state i talked to one of my closest friends who stays in tallahassee specifically um and she said that they're just getting rain right now where she's at and I only bring that up because FAMU is going to play this game against Mississippi Valley. And it's kind of it's kind of like the the Jackson State situation or the Jackson, Mississippi situation with Jackson State, where you're hoping that maybe this football game is a, a escape for some people, maybe. But overall, we know what the serious issue is and prayers and blessings sent to the state of Florida and all the residents out there because you never want to see that happen, right? So to the question about football, is FAMU heating up? They had a comeback victory against Alabama A&M last Saturday. Um, also, this game against Mississippi Valley State is not going to be pushed up or postponed. It's going to happen on Saturday. Uh, I don't know if I said that, but just to be clear, that game is not going to get moved around like the South Carolina State game got moved up to Thursday. So it's not going to be that kind of situation. I just want to clarify this game will happen on Saturday. So no need to switch up clocks or switch up your calendar or anything of that nature. Um, but it is fam, you heating up. And if you had the basis strictly off of what happened against Alabama A&M towards the end of the game specifically, the answer is yes. Um, I think that this game against Valley will tell you if it really is true or if it was a one game thing. But if you had to base it off of what you're saying right now, it certainly it certainly seems like they're heating up a bit. And it feels like every offensive player had their best game of the season against A&M or wow. They said it was the battle of A&Ms, but I just slipped up and called them A&M like, all right, we know who we're talking about, right? We talking about Alabama A&M. So they the FAMU Rattlers had their best game of the year. On, off, on the offensive side, and we want to look at the most important pieces. And when I say everybody, I mean the main guys. So I'm looking at the quarterback, the running back, and the two wide receivers. Um, even Terrell Jennings at the running back position, who didn't have a lot of yards, didn't really have too many carries either, 
He only had 56 yards. That's his most this season. Now, the reason that's important is not because, you know, it's not a lot of yards. I, I can admit that. However, he did it on 11 carries, which means he averaged five yards a carry, which is almost two yards greater than any average he had all year. So these are things that you want to pick up on. The running back, even with limited opportunities, did better than he had done all year. You look at the the. I'll, yeah, I'm going to leave the quarterback for last. You look at the wide receivers, and the reason I specify that we're talking about the two wide receivers, and that's Xavier Smith and John Marisha Reed, is because, yeah, the tight ends are going to help, the running backs are going to help in the receiving department, but for real, it's those two wide receivers. I don't think they're going to do too much. They're going to chip in but help. The show in the passing game is going to be ran by those two wide receivers, Sharid, and then also Smith. When you look at Xavier Smith, what he was able to do, you can have an argument if it's his best game of the year. He had a pretty good game against Albany State as well. However, he did get recognized as the East-West Shrine Game HBCU Offensive Player of the Week. And with that being the case, they did it because he had three touchdowns. And excuse me, with that being the case, that's why I give him the nod for having the best game of his season because those three touchdowns. He had 118 yards receiving against Albany State he had a couple of yards on the ground as well nearly 50 on the ground against Albany State however those three touchdowns and especially when they came are the reasons why I feel as if this is his best game of the season and also the first touchdown he had was right before halftime and in my opinion that's the catalyst right we want to talk about stacking up dominoes and chain reactions it all starts when the first domino drops and then everything else keeps going we'll see how long that reaction is however I think the first domino that was hit was that touchdown right before halftime that Jeremy Musa threw to Xavier Smith and then when you talk about John Murray Sharid who really wasn't a big part of the offense in the first three games but in that last game he had over 100 yards for the first time and the guy who's throwing it to him Jeremy Musa had his first 300 yard game as a rattler and then also most importantly, because we can talk about yards, right? He had three touchdowns his most of the of the uh, season. We can talk about those, those things. They're great. But what's most important is for the first game this year, he did not throw an interception. And you want to talk about all of those things? Protecting the ball, by far, is the number one of all of those. So the offense came out firing, and they had a five straight touchdown or field goal. So just scoring in general drive streak that was started off by that touchdown to Xavier Smith at the end of halftime. But that's really getting firing on all cylinders. That's what you're looking for out of the Rattler offense. I thought the defense definitely turned it up as well. However, the offense and the chemistry that they had been able to build, I think, was the largest story, which is why I focused on it right here. They went from trailing by 12 to having the backups in at the end of the game. And it was a whole little kerfuffle about that. And, and Coach Maynard ain't really like that from Alabama A&M side. However, it is what it is. It is what it is. So can't do much about that. However, we'll see against Mississippi Valley if they just had a little spark or if they're truly heating up. Going forward, we're going to start with one of two of the game of the weeks that didn't make the cut, but it's North Carolina Central versus Campbell. And while I still think this is a big game and a potential start of a measuring stick for HBCUs, but I will explain that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. First, let me tell you about Bet Online, our official sports betting sponsors over here at the Locked On Podcast Network. As you can read, they're going to have you updated with the latest odds, news, scores. You're looking at a situation where 
There's not a lot of places I know that are going to give out the news and help you make educated bets because they want you to win. A lot of places want you to bet. Bet Online wants you to win. Why wouldn't you want to go to a place like that? In addition to having the over-unders for the players, right? So that's passing yards for the quarterback, rushing yards, receiving yards. You can have those small bets within a game. You're also going to have the best odds for the actual game and the result of it. And we'll see if you'll be on uh, bad bets with SVP on ESPN. But those are just situations that in my opinion, make BetOnline the best. In addition to being versatile with every single sport you could think of, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is, kerfuff- is kerfuffle, excuse me, and it means a disturbance or a fuss. And there was definitely a kerfuffle at midfield when Coach Maynard and Coach uh, Simmons got together at the end of that game. Maynard was obviously upset with something with FAMU and allegedly, according to HBCU game day, it was the fact that they put in the buy or the, the backups, excuse me. But let's get into a game that I think people are underrating. And that's North Carolina Central versus Campbell. Now, I understand that it's not an HBCU versus HBCU matchup, but don't write it off. I really think that we need to get away from writing off these type of games because you're looking at ANC and Hampton who are gone. Are we just never gonna highlight that they could have the best game of the week? Just because they're in a different conference? To me, I think that is uh, going to really start sectioning off in a way that it shouldn't. I understand why it happens, and I don't really I don't really want to get on a soapbox about it. Right? It's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. However, I do think that maybe when some of these schools are facing some of these PWIs, it doesn't automatically disqualify them from having the most important game of the week. I was surprised that nobody voted for this game on my poll, and that's the reason I'm starting off with this uh, little spiel. Um, <laughs> but anyway, North Carolina Central versus Campbell, to me, is a game that represents a lot of bragging rights. It's a game that I circled coming into the season. It's a game that after watching or reading up on the Big South preseason projections, I said, Yep, give me that. I need to know what happens in this Central game because I expect the Central to be good. I expect the Campbell to be good. The people in the Big South expect the Campbell to be good. The people in the MEAC expected North Carolina Central to be good. So if both of these teams are expected to be good by their peers, why should we not be looking out for how this game is going to transpire? It's not as if they're going to play on the regular basis. And that's another thing that comes into it. The real reason I'm excited for this game and have been excited for this game probably a month, month and a half ago, is because North Carolina Central had the ability to sweep the Big South. That's really what it is. When you look at the preseason projections, they only play two teams in the Big South. However, it happens to be the number one seed, projected to be number one seed, North Carolina A&T, and then the projected second seed, and that's Campbell. See, so when I'm coming into the season, and I know how Trey Oliver has a chip on his shoulder, I easily could see this being a motivational tactic. Oh, we're going to go in there and we're going to beat all the Big South teams. It's just two, and one of them happens to be our biggest rival. However, we are going to beat all of these Big South teams. That's the way that I'm thinking about it. 
Now, with that being the case, maybe he doesn't look at it like that. I don't know. But the, the chip on his shoulder attitude that I feel like Trey Oliver has had, that lines up with it. And whatever it takes for motivational purposes at the end of the day. But for me, it's, it's respect. It's also respect because I think that a lot of HBCUs, they looked as like, okay, you're in your conference doing what you do. But outside of your conference, you're probably going to be booty cheeks. You're just not going to be a good team. And, and you got to understand, you're not playing in the playoffs unless you lose in your conference. And that's not the goal. The goal is always to win the conference. So you're not going to play in the playoffs to really go out and prove it a lot of the time. So what you have to do is play some of these teams during the uh, regular season and get them to shut up. It might not be the regular or it might not be the playoffs. However, you still play these games. And, you know, we're not going to talk about championships and how far you win in the playoffs because it's irrelevant. It's just about playing two teams that if they finish first and second in the Big South and you knocked off both of them, that whole you can't compete in a different conference thing, you can't use that against Central this year. So to me, it's all about bragging rights of things of that nature. And the reason I think this Campbell game has the potential to be a a uh, measuring stick of sorts is because Campbell plays Central this week. They play Jackson State later in the season. And then they also play North Carolina A&T obviously because they're in the same division now or same conference now. So with that being the case, it's not a measuring stick like, hey, man, if y'all are really a good HBCU, you'll beat Campbell. It's just more of a, okay, Central beat Campbell like this. Jackson State beat Campbell like that. North Carolina A&T beat Campbell like that. And it's just, okay, how did these performances stack up against each other? Because who knows? Like, we're not going to see Jackson State versus North Carolina A&T. We might not see Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. But I can have a little bit of context until it happens. And if it doesn't happen, I'll just have a little bit to go against. How, this is how they all stacked up against Campbell. And it's just a fun conversation. I don't care about what team is actually better until they face off. But it's a fun part of the conversation to talk about how they uh, how they fared against same opponents. We'll see. The ability to sweep the Big South is now a real thing for North Carolina Central. You did beat. A&C, so now you can go ahead and knock off the Big South and you can have that chip off your shoulder and say, listen, we can go in there. We can play with the big dogs in the Big South and we'll just have to see about it. All right. Now, going forward, we're going to be talking about the other game that didn't make the cut. Fort Valley State versus Benedict College. We're going to talk about that as we continue with Locked on HBCU. That's wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making it to the final segment. Shout out to my segment three folks, right? So if you're a segment three folk, let me know, man. Uh, I appreciate y'all for making it to the end of this episode. In Fort Valley State versus Benedict College is the battle of the undefeateds. I don't think it's the battle of the best, but it's the battle of the undefeateds. There's only four undefeated teams in the whole HBCU landscape. I'm talking about Big South, CAA. SEAC, CI, um, already said them, uh, MEAC, SWAC, all of these teams, Big South, all of these teams, it's only four undefeated HBCUs. That's Virginia Union, had a great season so far. That's Jackson State, who has a bye week, so they're guaranteed to remain undefeated. And then that's Fort Valley and Benedict, both of which who are in the SEAC, but one of those O's got to go. I don't know who it's going to be. But it has to be one of them. They can't end in a tie, all right? They have to come out, and one of these people has to have their first loss of the season. And the reason 
that I said I don't think is the battle of the best, but it is the battle of the undefeateds, is because I don't think they're the best team in their division. They both share a division with Albany State, who for all intents and purposes has earned the right to be the top dog and has not shown that they didn't deserve it any longer, right? Booyah has shown that they no longer deserve to be the top dog in the CIAA. I don't think that Albany has done that. They still look like they're the best team within this conference. So with that being the case, this is kind of like a number one contender match. Whoever wins this game is now the biggest challenger to Albany State. They get to go one-on-one with The Undertaker, right? That's what this game is to me. And they will go one-on-one. They're in the same division. Both of these teams will face Albany State. Both of these teams will have a chance to beat Albany State. Just because there's, there's a chance, I'll say this, that these could be the first and second best teams in this division. That could be the, that could be the case. One of them still has to lose, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. And when you look at Benedict, they come into this game with the strongest defense and offensive statistically in the conference. Total offense, total defense, um, or excuse me, scoring offense, scoring defense, number one. Total defense, number one. There's 10 yards behind Albany State in total offense. So they're right there, though, and they have the edge in points by, I think, about a touchdown. So I'm going to say that they are the best offense statistically in the conference and they do it a couple of different ways yeah they have more passing yards and they rank higher in passing yards than they do in rushing yards however they're still dropping a buck 60 a game like that's still impressive to me almost more impressive they're dropping 200 yards on on or through the air but you're dropping 160 on the ground that's that's a nice amount that's a nice amount and it's a two-headed monster it's not just one running back who's doing it and that may be the one thing that you can critique them about but Overall, I think it's safe to say that they have been firing on all cylinders. They rank number one in basically everything that matters. We can break it up into passing offense and rushing offense. Yeah, whatever. That's not what's important to me. If you can combine the two, I don't care if you're fifth in both. If there's not many people who combine them as skillfully as you do, then you are one of, if not the best offense. You're likely not the fifth best offense if you're fifth in offensive passing yards and an offensive rushing yards you're probably not number five you're just a really well-rounded offense so um on the round like i said they drop about a buck 60 a game through the air eric phoenix has been really efficient he has nearly a perfect passer rating on the season and then also he has no interceptions so he know so we know that he's going to take care of the ball at the worst if they can force a turnover in this game fort valley might really have some noise to make in this one but um, when I'm looking at the one hole that I think could happen, Benedict is not a great rush defense team. Fort Valley has the leading rusher in the conference in a top 10 rusher in all of D2 football. I uh, kind of alluded to that when talking about Jada Byers on Tuesday's episode. I believe, yes, I think that was Tuesday's episode where I talked about Grambling as well. Yeah, that's that's Tuesday. Um Right there, they both in the top 10. I think that, I think he might be seven. I know Byers is one, but I think Emmanuel Wilson might be seven, if I'm not mistaken. But in this conference, he's 100% number one. And then he's also the leading scorer. He has five touchdowns on the game, on the year in four games. So you're looking at a running back who's very effective, and they are strong in the trenches. When it comes to running the football and stopping the run, Fort Valley is really good there. So if they can force Benedict to be a one-dimensional team, now you're looking at a situation where 
Eric Phoenix has had the ability to lean on his running game when he needed to. But if they take that out of the game, you might be able to force a mistake or two out of this guy. And now you get a mistake or two, and now you're able to get your, your game going. I'll say this. I trust Emmanuel Wilson a little bit more than I trust Eric Phoenix. I think that Wilson has shown himself to be the best back in the conference, and he has earned the right to have favor over the quarterback. I don't think it's often we say that, and that's a testament to just how good that Emmanuel Wilson has been all year long. Also, Fort Valley's passing offense is very efficient. They don't rank super high, but when it comes to efficiency, they're one of the top three teams in a conference. That's what I need. If you're a heavy run game team, just give me some efficiency through the air. That's all I need. I don't need you to light it up. You don't have to be the best offense in the world. That's not what all the best teams are. You just got to be efficient. Make sure you're not making too many mistakes. Make sure you're doing all the right things. It'll be very interesting to see who wins this game, but all I know is that someone's O has got to go, and we'll see exactly who it is. On tomorrow's episode, you'll see PV versus Grambling. That is our game of the week, and I did a poll. Nearly everybody picked PV versus Grambling, the State Fair Classic. It'd be right there in Dallas, Texas for all of my Texas alumni um, from Grambling and in PV. Both have strong alumni bases in Dallas. So we'll see what this game is going to look like. I think the turnout should be phenomenal. So let's make sure the turnout for tomorrow's episode is also phenomenal. Now, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Make sure you're checking out our conference shows after this and in the meantime, in between time, to the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.